We believe in this extraordinary time, this unthinkable year, that it is really important to give voice to our better angels and the selfless community heroes who are working on not only the city's problems, but really the world's problems. And we have uh, such an angel with us this morning, Liz Clayson Kelly, who is our 2020 winner of the Community Voice Award. And Susie Adams is going to tell you a good bit about the award a little bit later uh, because it's uh, a story in and of itself. But first we wanted to have a conversation uh, with Liz. And let me tell you, she does not seek out the spotlight. And this is, <laughs> she and I laugh about this because we've been um, talking about it for, you know, for a long time, but uh, she has agreed to be here this morning. And of course she would, um, she is the perfect guest in so many ways, certainly for the holiday. And uh, you'll see why in just a moment. But um, first, good morning, Liz. Good morning to my Interact family. Um, yeah. I do have yeah. my awkward moments of accepting, as Lou says, learning to stand in light. Um, <laughs> but you kind of can't say no to Interact. So I am um, grateful to be with you this morning. We love having you. Now, uh, the first thing we're honoring you for using your voice uh, on behalf of the folks in need of housing in Charlotte, and certainly as CEO of Roof Above, uh, yours is a particularly important voice, um, but this is a lifelong passion for you. I wonder what you're hoping people are hearing from Roof Above, since your voice represents these folks, what, what should we be hearing from Roof Above right now? Yeah, so what I hope people always hear is that homelessness does not need to exist. I think, you know, home, I'm 42 and homelessness and I are about the same age. Um, so homelessness in America started in the 70s. And I think we often think it's always been with us or it always has to be with us. So I always think it started in my lifetime. By golly, it can end in our lifetime. And so I want people to hear it's an issue that can be solved. Housing is the solution. We have to meet people's basic needs, but um, serving meals is, is not going to get someone to housing. Um, and so we have to meet people's basic needs, but build true solutions. Um, and then I think, you know, as I have continued to do this work, it really comes down to me to a simple truth of recognizing the full humanity of another person. And I think that is at the core of so many of our issues is that we are not valuing lives in the same ways. And I think that's our spiritual work, that's our public policy work, that's at the core is really feeling the weight of another person's life. Yeah, yeah. Help us understand uh, some of the issues that uh, the homeless, the, the folks in needy housing are experiencing uh, due to COVID this, this unthinkable year. What, what might we not realize? Mm -hmm. 
So um, I, I think people might realize this, but it's it's worth saying that the way we serve people experiencing homelessness traditionally is crowded. <laughs> Every everything we do involves lines. You know, we care about efficiency. We have shelters with how many people can we get in these doors. You know, we have been trying to maximize how many folks we serve, and in doing so, it's been crowded. And so. Um, uh, we had to change all of that very quickly, how we spread people out. And so we've expanded to multiple campuses so we can provide social distancing. And so I think that's just worth saying is that, you know, I have always believed homelessness is a public health issue. I think um, the pandemic has really brought it home to everyone that, that homelessness is a housing crisis, but it's also a public health crisis. The other thing that I think is worth stating um, is, you know, I think we have the largest encampment in our community right now that we've ever had. And if you drive to the edge of Uptown, if, if you haven't, um, it's worthwhile experiencing what that looks like and what you see. Um, but I think it's important to say what you see has existed in our community just in more hidden ways. We've had hundreds of people sleeping outside, unfortunately, for years. And so when it's so visible and so together, we feel it differently. It's unacceptable, but it's always been unacceptable. And so we, the numbers that we're seeing at our front doors and in the community don't represent right now an explosion of homelessness. I think it, people feel, and it feels like there's been an explosion of homelessness, but honestly, this, this public policy protection of stopping evictions has had a very protective nature for our community, for this nation over these months of the pandemic. And so we have nervousness headed into 2021, knowing that that eviction moratorium is going away um, and, and knowing how stretched we are now, what's 2021 going to look like? Everyone says, we can't wait to say goodbye to 2020. And I think, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about 2021. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm enjoying these protections that are you know, still with us through the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, these are, these are things we, we don't think about. Tell us what good news came out just yesterday, the announcement. Yeah, tell us about yeah. So Roof Above has had a very big year. <laughs> We've celebrated, you know, our one year of our merger. We rolled out our new name. A few months ago, we announced we had purchased an entire apartment community in East Charlotte, and we're going to serve a wide variety of incomes. Actually, just this week, we moved in our first person who had been under a bridge for three years, moved into housing on Monday um, there at Hill Rock Estates. And just yesterday, we announced we purchased a hotel. Um, and so this hotel actually on Tuesday, um, families experiencing homelessness moved in. Salvation Army is gonna operate an emergency shelter there this winter. And then at some point, late spring, summer, we'll start renovations and convert it to housing. It will be what we call permanent supportive housing. If you guys are familiar with More Place, we'll be replicating More Place. Um, so we'll have 88 units and, and those units will be set aside for folks who've been homeless, long-term disabling conditions, kind of the most vulnerable neighbors in our community. Yeah. So we're excited. 
Um, it's, it's the generosity of this community that has allowed us to, you know, dream, uh, dream bigger dreams. I think the pandemic, you know, there's so much suffering right now and so much loss, um, to honor that loss. We must eke every bit of opportunity and learning from this year. And, and so, you know, hotels and motels, sadly, economically have been struggling during the pandemic, but that does provide an opportunity across the nation to convert hotels and motels into housing. We're by no means the only group doing this, right? So people across the nation, other places in Charlotte are looking at this. So we think it's just a great opportunity, an affordable housing moment um, to convert hotels and motels. Yeah, yeah. You, of course, have led the merger of two agencies, and anybody who's been through that, whether it be a for-profit or nonprofit, it's it's quite a challenge. Where are you in that merger? And I think everybody here knows about the merger, but you might uh, just explain that. So about a year and a half ago, Men's Shelter of Charlotte and Urban Ministry Center merged. Um, I think people sometimes think, oh, there's a ton of overlap. That makes a lot of sense. But, but actually, I say Urban Ministry Center was like a donut where they were providing street outreach, you know, really serving folks on the street, on the kind of far end of the continuum. On the other end, more place in our scattered site housing provided this long-term, very supportive housing, kind of the most intensive housing option. Men's shelter was like the donut hole um, that we had emergency shelter and then we had short-term um, housing subsidy. So now we've combined all that. So I say we're a baguette now, right? So um, that's what the merger was about. It's really, we had these complementary services um, and mergers are brutal. <laughs> like I, the things we've done this year, our ability to respond to the pandemic, the purchase of Hill Rock Estates, the hotel, um, we've had another kind of major housing program rollout in a partnership with the county. I don't think any of that would have been possible had we been separate. So the theory was we're merging to have greater impact, and we have seen that fruit. Um, what I can tell you, and I have some other staff members on, on, on this call, and they, they will um, give a thumbs up on this. It, um, you know, it's kind of like you're a newborn because you're, you're creating, you know, we, we had to refine our values, relook at our values. You know, we just rolled out a new 401k plan yesterday because, you know, we have too many employees now for the plan we were using, a whole new employee handbook. So it's like you're a startup, but you've started up with, you know, we serve 1200 people a day. So we're this like infant in our infrastructure and in our culture, but we have people's lives who are depending on us every day. And so it has been, um, I mean, I am still a new leader. And so, you know, I have a very steep growing curve. And so there's been opportunities for growth and learning and, you know, we don't always do things right. And so um, it's been a process um, and so grateful for a phenomenal staff who uh, stays with us and, and gives us grace and, and those moments of learning. Yeah. Yeah. Liz, tell us about the personal philosophy that drives your vision. Uh, how did you come to, to be where you sit? Um, so yeah, great question. Um, and I think I've probably had different personal philosophies at different seasons, right? Um, 
right now my philosophy is, oh, I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in getting things done. Right. And I think much more in my twenties, I was, I had a much stronger tinge of self-righteousness and, <laughs> and now I'm just very much interested in impact. Um, so, you know, I started this work really, um, on the front lines and, and wanting to be with people experiencing homelessness because of my own brokenness, because of my own wounds, I found a tremendous sense of life and in, in getting to be um, with the folks we serve and a tremendous joy in getting to do this work. And so it's really been, um, you know, I, the, the gift of life has been giving to me, um, you know, uh, just way more than I deserve through doing this work. Um, I do think, you know, I am grounded in my faith is really what led me to this work. And I think two things are profoundly true. One is that all people are created in the image of God. And two is that all people are broken. And that's true for every single person on this call. And that's true for every single person who walks through our doors. And so I think it is that um, grounding and that tension of both those truths that leads us forward. Um, but I, I mean, I say with all seriousness, um, there is a ton to be enraged about. There is, you know, a ton to be indignant about. Um, but, but I have found where I, in, where I am leading now is really around how do we get things done? How do we get solutions on the ground? And, and how do we meet people's basic needs? One of our core values of Roof Above is solutions oriented. And, and I really, you know, um, that is fed to us, uh, you know, our, our, you know, my colleagues, you know, help us with that. The folks we serve are incredibly solutions oriented. And so that, that is a piece of culture that really builds upon itself here. Well, I don't know how you managed to do it, but I, I always uh, feel filled up, you know, from spending time with you. I think we should just have coffee every morning and, and I will go out and deal with the day and I will not be indignant, <laughs> but <sighs> listen, at this point, I'd like to turn it over to Susie uh, to talk about this award. All right, thank you. The award is so special to us because we honor authenticity and there's no one more authentic than this. And so it's just a real honor to present her with an award and would like to introduce you all to the artist who created this unique piece for this. I started following Michael when he was 13. He's a little bit older now, but he's, I don't think, Eliza, you were able to vote in the election, correct? Elijah's on with us. Elijah, I hope we didn't lose him. Sorry, my phone was muted, sorry. <laughs> So, so you were not able to vote in the election, correct? No, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. I'm 15 yet, so got a few years. Yeah, but he is a brilliant artist, and he we began working with him last year, creating a piece for for this award, 
And one of the things that we, that we love about Elijah is he's a young man, but he's an old soul. And when you give him a challenge, he embraces that challenge and brings something back that is better than you ever could have expected. So Elijah, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the, the bowl, the piece, and your, the inspiration behind it and what it, what it means. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so the two, the two full flower buds and uh, flowers are meant to represent the two, house, the two programs in a roof above, housing and homelessness. And in the middle, uh, between the two flowers, the glass threads um, are meant to represent the scattered housing sites um, that are currently being served at. And um, the half flower on towards the edge of the bowl is meant to represent the people who are still struggling on the outside, but roof above um, is coming through and trying to help them and serve with them. Right. Thank you. Anything else about the piece? It was just really fun to make. And I'm really happy that it's going to such a uh, good person in the community. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Happy to. Liz, and Lou, back to you. Yeah, I, I would love just to share, Patrick, if you would put up the, the background on the award, just what it means to us. We started this last year on our 20th anniversary, and it's our way of celebrating folks in our community whose authentic voice creates real change in our community. And the recipient for us embodies the true spirit of a leader who speaks up for an inclusive, bold, and thriving community. And I will tell you that nobody uh, deserves it more than Liz Clayson Kelly. And so in closing, Liz, will you tell us what it is that you feel is your number one challenge today? I know there, there's a myriad of them, but in terms of what Roof Above is facing right now, what is number one? So I will answer that only if you first allow me to say some things about Interact. Oh, okay. <laughs> now I get to make you uncomfortable. Now I was thinking, um, what Lou has personally meant in my life. I met Lou more than a decade ago. Um, and, uh, she has been so generous and I call her when I'm having leadership challenges or different moments. And she has, you know, taught me multiple times and has taught people, you know, spent time with people that I brought to her. But I was thinking when I was much younger, I had the chance to go to, um, see the David in Italy and, you know, uh, 
I actually wasn't that impressed, but on the way to the David, there are Michelangelo's unfinished sculptures. And so you have these pieces because Michelangelo had this belief that he just took away the extra stuff, right? And allowed whatever was most true to come out of the piece of material he was working with. And I found those so much more stunning than the finished product. And I think about the profound truth that interact who, you know, does very like practical skill-based things, but does it with this philosophy that we are all created um, to, to become who we're created to be. And so uh, the folks that interact just help us take away that extra and just be more authentically ourselves. And what a kind of profound resistance that this is not performance. This is the opposite of performance. It's just becoming. And so I just want to take a moment to say thank you to the Interact family, not just for the practical things you teach us all, but the spirit that is embodied in the philosophy. So it is truly an honor um, that you are teachers on how to let go and trust uh, who I'm called to be. So, um, so thank you. That was my personal moment of privilege. <laughs> So um, greatest challenges ahead. So I will just say we're in an affordable housing crisis. Um, we have an economic system that does not provide enough um, housing at the levels that people need it. Also, my office is a train station and the trains still go by. So, so if that's too loud, forgive me. And so I can say that kind of... Um, Older apartments that typically are renting, you know, if rented for 650, 700, 750, all of that's disappearing. And, you know, we're adding granite countertops and charging $1,100 or tearing it down and building luxury product. So we have a fundamental flaw in our system um, that we have to figure out how do we intervene? Um, because while we're excited about the hotel, we have a system that's pushing us to a greater gap, not a smaller gap. So I think that's a challenge. Um, COVID it continues to be a challenge. We have been incredibly fortunate, and I'm gonna I'm at a wood table. I will knock on it that um, you know we have not had uh, we've had very limited uh, clients that have had COVID, and um, we have had a limited number of staff members. But um, we always live with the reality and responsibility that this is a deadly and incredibly contagious illness um, and that we're serving vulnerable people. And so we are not out of the woods yet. And so we just, we, you know, we try not to, um, we try to let go of the fear and instead embrace the responsibility of this moment. But I think that is a real threat. And then the other piece I would just say is, you know, while we are so excited of all the great news, it is a lot of growth for an agency. And I firmly believe the community has needed us to grow in this way, right? The need is there. Um, and so we just have to make sure that we're um, supporting our work culture and our infrastructure here to make sure that we can grow sustainably. And so I think that that is, is an internal challenge for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you as always, Liz, for the great big old cup of joy that you bring us and for the phenomenal work that you and Roof Above are doing in our community. We are so blessed that we have you as a natural resource and all of you for your holiday giving, consider going to roofabove.org 
and you can give right online. And if you're holiday shopping for art, you can go to Elijah's website, which Susie put into the chat. There are just some gorgeous pieces there. And certainly, yeah, Liz is showing the one that Susie delivered to her uh, this morning. We are also going to uh, write a, a check for $1,000 to Roof Above on behalf of the Interact family that loves and honors all the work that you're doing. And for everyone here, uh, happy holidays. Remember to stay tuned for uh, news on our holiday edition coming up in two weeks. It's going to be fun. I guarantee it. And to close out, uh, thank you, everyone. And Liz, thank you most of all. We love you. Thank you, Interact family and everyone for joining today. And Elijah, I'm going to be reaching out. You're amazing. And I'm thank so you. proud to own your artwork now. So thank you so much. It was it's a real honor for me to make this piece for such a good person. Yeah. Yeah. And please notice that uh, Liz and Elijah in the chat uh, are Buddy Kathy Izzard has a note there for you, just saying amazing uh, Elijah. And also that Liz needs a podcast for monthly inspiration. Wouldn't that be awesome? I just think you ought to think about that, Liz. I mean, genuinely think about that. And we'll help you set it up. Thank you guys. Okay. Love you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Elijah. Beautiful work.